Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Indeed, it's the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It is One Man's Opinion. Appreciate you guys downloading, subscribing, sharing with a friend. It's really your efforts that have let this thing grow. And uh, the more we do so, the more episodes we're going to be able to pump out. Really excited about this one. Episode 40. Uh, I, I've got one of my favorite people in the world joining me on this episode. So it's not just going to be me droning on. I am Jeff Vance. By the way, you can find my work at fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com, at Jeff underscore Mans. M-A-N-S on uh, Twitter, the Jeff Vance on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. My guest of the day, you guys hear him. Those of you who listen to the SiriusXM Elite Sports Show from 4 to 6 Eastern every weekday, you hear him every single day. We are blood brothers. It is the one. It is the only Phil Backert joining me on One Man's Opinion. What's up, Phil? Yeah, what's going on, man? Fired up. Thank you uh, so much for asking me to be on this. Oh, I love it. I've been waiting for a time trying to get like a downtime because you know, you're always busy. It has been tough. And I want to dive into that for those who listen to the Sirius XM show, you know, some behind the scenes stuff, you know, about how you basically have kept the show on track all these years or these years, this year, it feels like it's multiple years and all the, the shit that we have uh, been able to you know, had to go through to get it done. But I uh, appreciate you coming on Phil Backer and uh, let's dive into it, man. So a little bit of history. How long have you been working at Sirius XM? Uh, August, 2011 is when I first started. All right. So I was a little bit before you, correct? Cause I started like to, technically I signed a deal in December of 10. Yeah, and, and fun fact here, my first show when I was, like, shadowing was your, I believe, it was your weekend show, and Drew Phelps and Javon Paris were oh, the producers. Man, those were my dudes. Oh, I love Drew and Javon back in those days didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Like, they didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing, let's face it. So I didn't know that that was your first show. I didn't know you shadowed us. Yeah, my first show. And the crazy thing is I actually got lost going to the XM studios because it's oh. in D.C. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't live in D.C., didn't really visit D.C. that much, and I got lost the first day. I'm like, oh, here we go. And But I showed up, and, yeah, I listened to Fantasy Alarm, you and Ryan Hallam, uh, day yeah. one at Sirius XM, and here I am now uh, as your producer for Elite Fantasy. Yeah, and not just that. I mean, obviously, Phil does all the IDP stuff for us at FantasyGuru.com as well. Uh, you know, part of the Elite Mafia family is it, great. You know, and I want to talk about that as we get into it too, Phil. Um, we'll get into some Week 11 stuff here, folks. I know you're anxious about that. We'll give you your survivor bet, your best, the best bet of the week, upset specials. We'll get some of Phil's thoughts on uh, this running back situation across the National Football League that's just – just a clusterfuck uh, across the league. So we'll, we'll dive into that, but I do want to, you know, get, you know, tell the story of Phil Backard a little bit. Cause I, I find it quite fascinating. When did you know that there was a fantasy sports industry? Like, was it not till you, when did, like, how did you get the job with XM? Did you apply for the fantasy sports position? So 
<laughs> I, I mean, I started in radio my junior year of college. So that would probably be what, two, the summer of 2005. So I actually interned at a local Baltimore sports talk station because I wanted to do media, like newspaper and radio. And unfortunately, right. at that time, that's when newspapers started to die. Dying, and yeah. yeah, I'm not, I wrote for a school paper, all that stuff. So I'm like, I'm not trying to get into a newspaper career when who knows what this is going to look like. So I actually started interning at a radio sports talk radio station in Baltimore because I love listening to sports talk radio. So that that actually is how I got into the radio business. And to be honest with you, Jeff, I got turned down from Sirius XM. I probably applied to any of the sports channels. This was before Mm -hmm. fantasy even started. Yeah. 15, 20 times. And I didn't even get an interview. So it took me years to just get an interview. And then I remember uh, fantasy sports actually showing up on the uh, job listings on Sirius XM. I interviewed with Matt Deutsch and Rob Tuesday. It was when the channel launched. So I actually finally got an interview, but I didn't get the job. So I actually got turned down wow. from fantasy. Yes. And then I got, I applied again and Matt actually remembered me and maybe that's what helped. And we talked even more. And then that's when I got hired. And it's just funny how life works. Cause I got told July 4th, of right heading into the July 4th weekend, holiday weekend of 2011, that the job I was at Baltimore sports talk full time, that they were going to turn into a news talk channel. And because of that, they were getting rid of all the sports people. So I got fired literally heading into the 4th of July weekend. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? Luckily I also had a summer job working at Ripken baseball camps. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, now I got to figure out what the next step is for my life. And I'm telling you, I went, to uh, my brother lived in Myrtle Beach. So my mom's like, just go visit yeah. your brother for the weekend. Forget about all this. And, right. you know, we'll worry about what's going to happen next. And I got back from Myrtle Beach the following week. And I got a call from Matt Deutsch saying, hey, we'd love to interview you for a part-time position at Fantasy Sports Radio. So it was crazy how I went from, I, I may be out of radio. And then I got hired as a part-timer at Fantasy. And since so- then, I mean, I've been here. It's it's wild, and Phil is uh, by the way. Follow Phil Backert on Twitter at Phil Backert, P H I L B A C K E R T on Twitter. And uh, what, what's astounding there is that I mean, Phil is, and everybody at SiriusXM backs this up. This isn't just me saying it and saying it. Phil's the best producer we got. Not only on this, the the um, fantasy sports ledger, but your guy that has been coveted by other channels in the past. I know, you know, we don't have to speak about, it, but other channels have been after you and, and things like that. There's been a couple of promotion opportunities that you know along the way, and that's the amazing thing. And I just I believe in that kind of shit, Phil. I, I really do believe, and it's hard when you're young or when things aren't going your way it's hard to believe that the hard work and the effort and just keep getting after it, keep going. It's hard to understand that at that time, but you know, it's kind of what you did there. You got in the door, like you said, you barely leaked in and now you're one of the most coveted producers in the entire sports department, widely regarded management here, you know, at at the, the fantasies channel. So I, I think that's, you know, it's just a great story and a great lesson for everybody that is it's what you want to do and it's what's in your heart. You know, it, it, just keep pursuing, keep going. You're going to get turned down. You're going to get fired. You're going to get let go. You're going to take a step back. But then you just keep breaking through because when everybody else gives up, you get your chance and then just hit it 
once you get your chance. So I, I'm fascinated with that. Did you know, so sports radio, you said you wanted to be in, you've always listened to it. Is that what you went to school for? I mean, so I, went you- to, I, I mean, I went to school for communication. So at the, at, again, when I'm 17 graduating high school, I, I actually did like play by play announcing for my high school basketball team. Mm-hmm. So I knew like I wanted to do this and whatever this is, it was some type of broadcast for sports. So I didn't realize it was going to be radio again, maybe it was newspaper. Cause actually I enjoy writing. I mean, I still yeah. do that today. So it's awesome. So going and I, in my college, unfortunately did not have a radio station. So it was basically, I needed to get this internship in order for me to understand what the industry is and lead into whatever the career path I was going. So I school was great because, you know, it was communications, but it wasn't like I was doing radio in college until I got my internship. It's fascinating. I mean, it's like when I started out, I've talked about that on this podcast many times where I, I was, I went to school for journalism too. And then all of a sudden, like I, I had an illness, I got, I, my appendix exploded, yada, yada. You know, I'm out of school for a year, had to go get money, had to drop out of school. And I went back and I'm, I went back, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going computer science because that's the future of technology. And that's what I, so that's what my degree is in. And uh, it's just weird. And then once you know, I did that for a while, I was fortunate in that industry. And I said, I'm coming back. And I took gigs writing, you know, covering the White Sox, covering the Bulls, covering uh, community college and local college, uh, uh, women's basketball, women's soccer, you know, all these different, you know, random sports or whatever, because I knew I wanted to get into it. So it, it's like just that tenacity, knowing what you want to do and building your way up and scratching and clawing your way, you know, eventually it does pay off folks. I mean, I, I could attest to that Phil can here as well. So you're getting the door at XM. You heard our uh, show. What was your first impression working with uh, you know, me Hallam on the alarm? What was your first impression of the station in general? Did you think this, is this ever going to last? Well, the, the problem was I was so poor. I didn't even have satellite radio. So I didn't right. even know what the hell, <laughs> What's going on at, <laughs> yeah. at Sirius XM? So the, literally, the first time I heard Sirius XM was walking in that studio, and there's this loudmouth, uh, loudmouth Jeff Manns screaming <laughs> and hollering. Because you've always been this way. This isn't like uh, something new. You've You're always right. been the guy that had a, a great opinion about whatever. So that was yeah, that was my first introduction. Is you guys from Sirius XM, and then obviously this channel. It was just fascinating because that was right when football season started. So. I heard stories leading up. Hey, once, you know, March or like once February hits, it's like no one's around right. because it's baseball season. But entering when it was prime football season and I started working game days and things like that, it was just amazing to me because I've always been in the fantasy. Actually, my first fantasy league was basketball, NBA. I didn't even play yeah. football or baseball for the first couple of years. I was actually starting to do fantasy sports. So the seed of popularity of what fantasy football was at that point and what it still is now was pretty uh, mind blowing to me because I, I, I didn't know. I mean, I just was a, I loved my sports, but it wasn't like now fantasy sports in my life. But at that point, it was just general sports. Right. Uh, so it was it was definitely eye opening for me. You're talking wins and losses back then. And, and I mean, when you talk about fantasy in, in the football season, we are the most popular station on all of Sirius XM during the football season. I mean, that, I mean, think about it. I mean, outside of Howard Stern, of course, 
but we are the most popular station. It's just what fantasy football is. It's such a mega giant, but I'll say this, like when we, you started in 2011, I started, I started in baseball. So it was like, I was on for the first baseball season ever at this, at this channel as well. I was signed in football, but they had me as a baseball show because I just did what you did. I told them whatever fuck I needed to tell them. I I just want to get in the door. Um, I love the radio myself. I was doing podcasts back then and nobody cared about podcasts. It's just, we were number one. Like me and Hallam had that number one podcast on iTunes in sports, not fantasy sports. There wasn't a fantasy sports category. It didn't exist. Number one in sports. And it didn't matter. It was irrelevant. It was just like fart in the wind. Nobody seemed to really care except for the, I think we had 6,000 downloads or something. And we thought that was like the most amazing thing. Now Rogan's got a million, but, um, you know, and that's how we got our shot, too. So we did whatever we can to get in there. But what I'm saying is the, the baseball season, fantasy baseball, when the station launched, it was bigger than I had ever. You said, you know, basketball was your football was my first sport, but hockey, fantasy hockey was actually my second sport. I used to play Stratomatic cards and dice game all the time for baseball. I didn't play fantasy baseball to like the mid nineties, which those are familiar with my story. I started football in 89 um, and then hockey in 90, 1990, 91 was my first fantasy hockey season. So I was very, I knew fantasy baseball was a thing. And then I played it all the time too, but I was surprised Phil on how big the fantasy baseball landscape was. We're flying all over. We're doing drafts. You know, I didn't anticipate that. Were you, at all surprised with how big fantasy baseball was when we started at least I was just because baseball probably was even though that was the sport I played through college I coached it wasn't the fantasy sport that I participated in so it was a I didn't realize like the dedication that these fantasy baseball players have and obviously the legends that we have in this industry in fantasy baseball so that was a surprise of how – and the different rules in the leagues. You got Roto, you got head-to-head, and you got the auction drafts. It was just – that also was just like, oh, man, this is uh, this is intense. It is. And uh, how do you think – I mean, you know, I talk about it on air all the time. You and I talk sort of off air. What about base, fantasy baseball now? I've been pretty – I've been critical of the industry because – and everyone thinks I'm an asshole – which I, maybe I am, but you know about it. And I'm I'm not mean to baseball. I love baseball. You love baseball. I know you love baseball. I love baseball. I was talking to Ray Flowers today, this morning, just a personal conversation, just talking baseball. But the fantasy side of things, I feel the fantasy baseball industry has done no favors to their patrons. They have ref- outright refused to change with the times. They have just, uh, they will not, develop they will not change they will not uh, um embrace any kind of nuances and, and things that the younger generations and younger people find interesting and i have seen a dramatic drop off from when i started in 2011 with the baseballs that baseball season my first at the channel compared to now phil it's like un it's unfucking believable I mean, we used to have full phone lines. We used to be able to get full phone lines. We used to be able to get some interactions. And then I also know the rating numbers and stuff like that, which we're not supposed to disclose. It's the drop off now from football to baseball is so it's just gigantic. It's it is so much bigger than it used to be even five, six, seven years ago. Do you notice the same thing? And if so, what do you think the problems are? 
So I do notice it. And to be honest with you, I probably know, I'm not talking about people through work and Sirius XM, my just regular friends that I go out and have a drink with. Right. I may have five of those friends that play fantasy baseball and they're huge sports fans. I mean, they're all in obviously fantasy football and things like that. So that is, I think baseball has a problem. Mike Trout is the best player in baseball and 20 people, if they looked at a picture, maybe eight of them could say that's Mike Trout. I mean, that's baseball is a huge marketing problem. Then when it comes to fantasy baseball, just the fact that these people will not adapt is killing the sport and go to this year, Jeff, we talked about it leading into the start of the season. You cannot have wins as a stat in 2020. These pitchers are not going to be pitching a lot of innings. You need to get rid of this. And every league that I participated in, I brought it up. I said, can we get rid of wins for this year? No, 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 no. And it made it no fun that these pitchers were not getting wins and you're, and it's killing this an important category for you in order to win your league. And you can't even really attack it because these starting pitchers are not pitching deep enough to get the win. So that is the base problem is the fact that they will not adjust or adapt to become more intriguing for the younger generation, which I don't know exactly what the solution would be. I think personally head to head is the number one and making the season shorter, whether that's first half and then second half, but the adrenaline that you get on game day on Sundays for football, you have to try to replicate that somehow in baseball. And I think that's, maybe making it a week and then you you're a monthly, you know, instead of all season, you make it a month, whatever it may be. But the fact that there's no, uh, I guess people are not even open to making that change is what's killing the sport. It, it, right. And not being open-minded is hundred percent. And I mean, by the way, wins in an abbreviated 66 game schedule, what was the leader? Eight? Like, was it like seven, eight, nine, somewhere like the leader of wins? Like, give me a fucking break. It, what a joke. It just was a joke. Um, by the way, you could shorten the Major League Baseball season by 60 games and nobody would even blink an eye. I mean, it's just that easy. You make the games more important. It's why playoff baseball is so great, but then the season gets so boring at times. It just is so repetitive, so, so long. You just shorten the game and make the games more important. And I, I think that's a, like you said, it's a baseball problem. And then fantasy baseball, it's a huge problem. I would love fantasy baseball to be bigger. I want it to be bigger. I want, I would love to play in bigger leagues and have more money on the line, more pride on the line, more, you know, all that. But the current setup is just not sustainable. In my opinion, we're watching it just deteriorate before our eyes. So then there, there comes to one of my favorite stories about Phil, because so you're working your ass off and, you know, you did our shows a bunch on the weekends. Eventually you were a part-time producer at that point. But my favorite Phil Backard story, I think is when he, you know, we always got, we got along pretty much from jump street, but Phil gets along with everybody. So you don't know, you know, Phil just go with the guy very easy to get along with. You got promoted then to full-time I think it was full-time or whatever that they have all these in-between statuses you fill in the blanks but I'll never forget you and I talk I congratulate him man it's awesome like yeah man now I'm gonna be able to produce your show yeah I think I was still on weekends at that point and then oh maybe I was going to midnights maybe you could tell about I'm blurring it but then I didn't hear again from Phil Backer for like a year because you went to daytimes and you got the fuck out of there. You were like, yeah, deuces. You deuced me. You remember that? So you, you yeah. were still on weekends. So when I got full time, I had to produce the Saturday and Sunday nights. 
And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, Jeff, that was probably the most, <laughs> it was probably the one time I go, do I really want to do this anymore? Yeah. I, I'm in studio on a Saturday night. At the, I was, you know, 26, Young guy, yeah, man. and I like, I had people hitting me up. Hey, I'm at, you know, you know oh, people yeah. are going out. It's a weekend and I am in studio as much as I love radio and love mm-hmm. my job and still do. That was, that was tough. So as soon as um, producer Heather Klein, she was doing Saturday, Sunday mornings. Cause I knew one thing was non-negotiable and I was not coming off weekends. So when she left, I'm telling you within five minutes, I called Matt Deutsch and said, Matt, I want her Saturday, <laughs> Sunday shift. He goes, what do you mean? You got to be in studio at 6 a.m. I go, I don't care. I'll make it right. work, but I need my Friday and Saturday nights. Yeah. And sure enough, I got switched to the weekends. And now <laughs> this leads into the next thing. I, I would spend many a nights on weekends, like Friday night and Saturday night, like sleeping in studio on a couch to make yeah. sure I did not miss my shift uh, Saturday or Sunday morning. And I always post it as one thing I will live by forever is if you're going to party hard, you need to just, uh, post up for work. And I always did. So that you know, I take, I actually am happy about that. So I would rather work at 6 a.m. on a Saturday and Sunday instead of 11 o'clock at night on a Friday and Saturday. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's what I'm all about too, Phil. And why we get along. I'm sure in my house, like my kids and my wife and everybody knows, like, I, you know, I'm the same guy. I, I think that on air, off air, whatever we have, my religion in the man's household is work hard, play hard. You can play as hard as you want. You can go, you can do whatever, but you're working hard. And you're doing it. And I remember those. I remember you You were, up, you were producing Sincata show at 6 a.m. in the morning. A lot of times I was just I was not even going to bed yet or I was just going to bed and that show would come on and you'd be a part of that. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's important. It's not wrong with playing hard. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor. But when it gets in the way of work, that's where it's a no-no. When it gets in the way of your dream – if Phil were, if it, Phil was the guy that would have called in, and believe me, there's a ton of producers. We can go through every single one that you know Phil left me with when he got uh, to be too big time, and he gets, and then I got left with a bunch of scraps for the most part. And guys are calling all the time. You don't know how many times there would be times they would have to bring a producer in from another station, an emergency because this guy called in or this guy just no called, no showed. It's like holy shit. It was so bad for a while there. And, you know, they couldn't do what you did. It's like, if you're going to go out, you want to go out Friday, Saturday, it's fine. But get up and answer the bell. That's the most important thing. And uh, it's also when the station, I'm sure, knew you were a keeper at that point. So then, uh, so you're going, you're producing, what, Sankata in the morning, Lenny Melnick in the morning. What was it, the Fantasy Pros show at that point? Yeah, that was fan- Fantasy Pros right before they moved over to Roto Experts. And then, uh, I mean, really, the one show that I, at that point, even when I was part-time and just started full-time, I didn't really have a show to call my own. Like now mm-hmm. with me yeah. and you, we are always together. Yep. So the one show I did have, that I could say was my own was Fantastics. Right. Um, Anthony Perry and all those guys with Lou Blossy, Dan Claskins. I mean, they really helped me when I first got hired full time. So those that's pretty much it. It was Tony Cicada with the Fantasy Pros, Roto Experts with Lenny, and then Fantastics on Saturday and Sunday mornings. And then Sunday, obviously, during football season was game day. And that was right before you took over because I worked a right. season, I think, with Mike Dempsey and Bob Harris. Then we did a season, uh, Elliot Harrison, if you remember him, Jeff, he did a season, yeah. which was crazy. But at that point, too, was also like a 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. 
game day shift uh, after a Saturday night. Oh yeah, on game day, but you didn't care, man. This is like I'm, I'm producing fantasy football radio on Sunday morning game day. It was it was awesome. Uh, I, what I love about Phil and you know guys, I, I love it honestly. My my wife knows this, and people call. I love when anybody cares about their job. I don't care what your job is. I don't care if you're, you know, landscaper, drive-through clerk, cashier. I I just like get off on somebody who's like, I'm here for it. You know, when a cashier is all nice and everything, I, I fucking love it. I'm like, good for you. You know, just, you, you've uplifted spirits in that moment of time. You've done good work. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just enjoy what it is you're doing. And, um, and, and that's the passion. Phil, you've said that, you know, years ago. By the way, I think we worked together. You did the show at least two years, you know, with me and Bob. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought you said. But that's year. how long I, I mean, that's how long I was on game day. I mean, I, I did weekends pretty much. I mean, this is probably what, Jeff, the second season now I'm not on game day. So, yeah, from 2011 to 2018, like my life was Saturday and Sunday mornings or Saturday yeah. and Sunday in general, but then move it to the mornings and then game day uh, during football season. So I also have Ravens, Ravens season tickets. So I would work until oh, yeah, yeah. I went at one. <laughs> I would literally leave at one o'clock because luckily uh, game day shows, you don't have to do any post work. So as soon as the clock struck one, the, we went to commercial to now the main game day shows taking over. I was out the door and driving up to Baltimore to catch the Ravens games. And I would get there probably midway through the second quarter. So the time I get to the game, I'm still paying fifty dollars for parking. Jesus. But then, and then, yeah, it was it was so stupid. I, I don't know what I was thinking doing all that, but again, I loved what I was doing. Obviously, I love my Ravens football, and I just tried to make it, make it work. That's that's kind of how I live my life. Uh, just tell me what you need, I'll make it work. And I figured out how to do that. I mean, prior to getting full time, Jeff. I had worked at a political radio station in DC. Oh shit! Yeah. Can you imagine oh, doing that now? <laughs> oh no, it'd be insane. It was yeah. Obama was president. It was lefty oh, okay. radio station. Okay. So I'm not left or right, but right, it right. was a full left radio station. <laughs> six a.m. morning show. Fucking crazy. Yeah. So six a.m. morning show, and most of my serious XM shifts were at night. So I spent many nights sleeping in my car uh between shifts because I could I live in Baltimore, so I couldn't drive home to Baltimore at two a.m. to turn right around to come back and to do a DC morning show for political talk. So I would sleep in my car in the parking lot and every so often I would get the security guard waking <laughs> me up. Hey, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just catching a couple uh, hours of a nap here. But yeah, that was while doing political, political talk then was crazy. I can only imagine what it would be if I was in that industry now. Yeah, man, it's too fucked up. It, it's too, I've talked about, I talk, you know, I'm serious. I obviously I've stayed out of the fray and all that on this podcast. I've talked about it. I'm not afraid to talk politics. I think, uh, you know, we get the uh, um, ultimatums. Don't talk politics and all that on serious XM. I, you know, back in 2010, 2011, 2012, I, I said, what the fuck? Why, why can't we just talk about it? I don't understand why we can't do it. Now, though, I completely get it. I, it's weird. I agree with management and saying, yeah, we just, it doesn't get you anywhere. And I, I hate the idea about everybody choosing fucking sides and everything. And, every, and if you're on a different side or you have a different belief, all of a sudden we have to fight. It's just something that has bothered me. And I don't know if it's me just getting older or our current climate or whatever. You know, I've got friends on all sides. I've got beliefs on all sides and I've been very vocal about them 
on this podcast. Like there's certain things I stand for, certain things I don't. And, you know, hopefully you guys like it. You, just, you like the sum of the parts. It's like getting married or uh, something Phil will never happen to Phil. Uh, you're getting married or being in a relationship where you have to take the collection of the entire parts. You have to take all the, uh, you know, get the positives, the negatives, the goods, the bads, everything. You got to just take it all. That's where I stand with all that. But if, speaking of relationships, Phil, what's up with that? Why, why no? I, I'm stunned because when I, you know, you and your boy Christian, Chian eventually produced me. I moved to midnights. So I got off weekends. I moved to the midnight show, midnight to 2 a.m. Eastern time for a couple of years. And that's where, you know, we built that whole, uh, that whole thing. And I was getting spare parts at, at, uh, at the pro- production level the producer level because nobody wanted to work those hours but i ran into a guy a couple of them nate lee and christian who you know they only could do a couple days they couldn't be there every day with us but these were game changers and you know she's a good friend at christian's good friend of yours and all that and i he used to always talk about dating and getting laid and the whole thing and i always told him bullshit you're a fucking relationship guy. I know you're a relationship guy. Don't don't even pretend. I you know we used to have arguments on and off air about it. And sure enough, she's married now. Everything else. Where's Phil Backert? You're a relationship guy too, and I fucking know it. Why no relationship, Phil? What's up with you? Uh, man, I wish someone could like diagnose what's wrong with my head. <laughs> I just have this issue, and I don't know what it is. I get you know you date a couple times, you hook up a few times, and it's like all right, we were at this point. And I just, I just back off. I don't know why it is, man. It, it, it sucks because during this whole coronavirus is probably the time I'm like, you know what? I can't go out anymore. I mean, that's usually what I would do. I'm the last call guy. I pick up whoever's there and then we're good. Yeah. And so when you're not in a relationship, but if you're still hooking up every couple of weeks with someone, you're like, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. But when you can't go out to the bars anymore or even try to get the hookups, it's like, damn, this sucks. So this has probably been the roughest few months when it comes to that, because you just, I just can't go to the bar and pick up a female. It's, do, it doesn't happen. Do you feel like there were, you feel like the, the girls you've dated in the past or girls you run into, do you feel like they eventually try to change you or try to like, you know, cause you're, you're set your ways. You've, you've got a lot of that in you. I mean, not that's something you're, your guy will go with the flow, but you like what you like. You said you will do whatever it takes. That's what you and I are so simpatico with that. Like we'll figure out a way to do what we want to do. Like even if it means a Herculean type of uh, effort, like you know, staying up all night and then rolling in, sleeping on the couch or in your car, you will do it. Do you fear that like they're going to try to change you, or has that happened to you in the past? I mean, now that I've now into my thirties, yes. Like I know, like I enjoy just you know whatever I'm doing on a Tuesday night, and I don't need to be watching The Bachelor, which is what you have to do if you're in a relationship. <laughs> So that type of stuff like freaks me out. And I don't know why it is. I just, someone that's listening can tell me that I'm effed up in the head because it's just that point of, yeah, I don't know if I want that. And that's what goes through my head all the time. It's a weird thing because Phil's like one of the nicest guys I've ever met. One of the absolute most honest guys and earnest guys, which is just like relationship material. And also great with kids, good with like pets. You're like you're like the perfect boyfriend for. I got commission uh, commitment issues, Jeff. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Like, does it go back to the fact that you know I don't even remember my mom and dad being married? Maybe, uh, but then my mom remarried my stepdad that passed awesome. away in 2008, and yeah. I mean that was the perfect marriage. So I can't even say that. And that's a guy 
that he, when he married my mom, she already had four boys that were under the age of seven and he, he didn't have any kids of his own. And he ran with it. So I can't even say like, I don't want to even be in a relationship that would at this point, I mean, if you're in your thirties as a female, most likely you're either married or you might have a kid. So I don't even care about that anymore at this point. Right. It's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's just once I get to that stage of, all right, I have to commit and then it's I'm out. And you know, I don't know. I can't I'm not, I'm nothing if not for an amateur psychologist, you know that. So, yes, and, so I me. mean, there, there's, well, it's, it's all the same. I mean, it's the, the, the relationship breakup that you saw there and then losing your stepfather, who I know meant a lot to you as well. I mean, that, that's pretty, it's a giant target of why you're, you're scared of relationship, even when it's good or bad. It's just the losing, the, the losing of it. You feel like you're probably losing yourself. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to that. I, I think that you've witnessed it and you're at a pretty formidable age when that all went down, both of them. And, uh, you know, I, I could completely see that, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing to go through. Speaking of which, so talk a little bit about if you can, you know, the stepdad backert bash, like that whole scenario. Cause I don't, you know, people don't know this. I know you don't get to talk about it much if you don't mind. Yeah, this is great. Uh, so Actually, we started a summer party uh, 2006 when my brother graduated college. So he graduated college in 06, and I threw a graduation party in 07. So after that, we were like, hey, this is kind of cool. Let's do this every year. So we started throwing summer parties every year. So we've literally had a summer party every, uh, uh, every summer since 2006. So when my um, stepdad passed away, we were like, well, we actually started a scholarship. And my younger brother, Nick, he actually thought of the ideas like this would be great. So we started a scholarship that for he, he met my mom at a local community college where we grew up at. So we started a scholarship in his name at the local community college. And we threw a couple of, I don't know, I guess beef and beers, the best way to put it. We rented out a little fire hall and had a, had the, the games, you know, you, you, everyone's yeah. done that before. And the first year was a huge hit. Second year was not a great hit. And we were like, this is not us. We don't rent out fire halls. We throw summer parties. So we changed to backer bash it to now raising money for the John W. Palmer Jr. Scholarship. And that started, I guess, 2012 when it actually became the backer bash benefiting the scholarship. So we've been doing that ever since uh, with that. And it's been awesome, man. Like we raise a lot of money. We give, Every year, someone gets a scholarship out of it. We get to see friends. I mean, now at this point, you don't even see friends often as much as you used to. Right. So it's now a reason once a year for people to come together, have a good time. And it's in a it's for a good reason as well. So uh, I, I, I think it's something that we're going to continue to do. How did uh, how did your stepdad die? He had a heart attack. So that's the other thing, man. I got I remember this. I got a phone call driving home from work and it was from him. I mean, it was his cell phone number, which. He, it was always my mom that would call me and right. I'm like, something's up. And it was sure enough. It was the like EMTs on the line. It's like, Hey, you got to meet us oh. at the hospital. So, you knew, I knew it. He's always had a lot of health problems. He had cancer and he had heart surgery. So, I mean, he was always uh, dealing with something, but mm-hmm. it's not like you see someone as they're dying. You just kind of accept it. This was just out of the blue. And it's like, this sucks. Yeah. So it was a rough time for our family. I mean, I feel bad for my mom. Um, obviously she's, remarried again to a great person that they've been together since 2010 ish. So, I mean, things are fine, but you know, everyone's lost a parent or a love close one. I mean, it's just, it's tough to get over. 
it's I uh, I couldn't imagine I lost I've lost both my parents and both of them you know I, I, the one thing I'll say it's not nothing's good ever but I did have that chance to kind of say goodbye I saw you know it's there my dad slowly going away uh, and my mom too kind of in the hospital for the days leading up to passing away so to have it happen suddenly especially how old are, were you I mean were you twenty it was oh eight so I was probably like twenty two twenty three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was the same age. I was 20. I think I just turned 22 when my dad died. Um, so same kind of age. And I mean, that it's just something that stay, has stayed with me. I've done podcasts about it and everything. Guys can go listen to those episodes. But um, yeah, I mean, that's it. it it's, a, it's a rough go to have something happen that suddenly, man, is it, absolutely brutal. But I, I love what you guys do with the Backard Bash and the scholarship. It's just such a great way to keep somebody's spirit alive and keep the spirit of what you're about alive. It's just such a, a tremendous, tremendous event. I, and I keep telling you every year I got to go out. And I never, I've never been out yet. I can't fucking believe I haven't been there. I think every, didn't Ray flowers go to a backer bash? No, I mean, no one, oh. the only one has come to backer bash is Lenny Melnick. I mean, okay. he lives in New York. So that's a right. short drive. I mean, so right. he's actually been there. Ray came out to Nashville for my 30th. So did Ted Schuster. Uh, I will never forget this. Ted watched Iowa football that night. Oh. And he lost like a heartbreaker. Yeah. And so you you know Ted long enough, Jeff, when uh, yes. Iowa football loses, especially in heartbreaking fashion, the stay worst. the hell away because uh, his wife Kelly was there. She's like, yeah, don't talk to him right now. So. He, he's the worst. He's fucking worse. It's the only thing he really cares about. That's the thing. Ted always rips on everybody for caring about things. Like he secretly loves when the White Sox lose for me and the Ravens lose for you. But But when it's – on his level and Iowa, it's fucking Armageddon. Like it's Armageddon. And he, I knew he was out there. I was texting him while the game was on. That was the best Iowa team I think they ever had. They were national top 10 at the time of that loss. And uh, that was one where, you know, and I, I would, I would just stoke the fire. It's like, oh, well, you'll never have a chance for another championship. That's for sure. <laughs> Cause Iowa never going to do that. Speaking of which, speaking of Ray, Flowers, Ted Schuster. Who's the uh, who's the hardest one to deal with out of me, Ray, and Ted? From a I would say standpoint? Ted. Really? How come? Because t- I just need Ted to like. A lot of times, I just don't think Ted cares. He just hops on the mic at two o'clock and then or four o'clock Eastern, and then just starts like bitching about stuff. I'm like Ted. You know all the stuff that led into what we're about to talk about, and it just it can be frustrating at times. <laughs> It's, it's true and you get so bad the the Ted is great because the percentage of anger like if it's 100 percent, is a, a max amount of anger ted will occupy 72 percent of the space while occupying you know five percent of the real space you know what i mean like it's just like he overwhelms it with that and, and uh, you mentioned there about all the work i mean for folks that listen to sirius xm show and again, we will get into some football here, folks. But I think this is this good. To, I, you know, I always think, I, like, fuck, man, I need to get Phil more involved, more involved in the show. Do you think? Like, what do you? What are your thoughts on being on the producer standpoint? Because obviously, you have a lot of thoughts. You're a good writer, a really knowledgeable fantasy player, a really good fantasy player, and all that. But you're the producer of the show, and you know, there's been 
people that have come and gone from Sirius XM from our channel specifically who've tried to get too much mic time and they fought with their host or, you know, want to be on the mic a little bit more. There's been people that have chosen to be on the mic over producing, you know, and went out and done their own thing. And like, how do you personally deal with that? that element of it. You know, every times you just want to like hit the button, say, man, you're fucking wrong. I disagree. I think this guy's much better. Like take us through the mentality you have being sort of behind the scenes. So I, when I realized that I wanted to do radio, I wanted to be a person who actually ran a channel. So program director. So I never had the itch of, I want to be a host. Now, Fortunately, I've, I like to think I have a good enough personality and enough information that any show I've produced, they've thrown me on the mic. So I had no issues hopping on the mic, but I never had the itch of like, I need to hop on and say something right now to debate uh, my host. And I think I learned that pretty early because I don't know if I tried to do it or my host that, that I worked with back in the day at Baltimore radio station was like, hey, you're the producer, I'm the host type thing. But it's never been like an issue of, I need to say something because I think a lot of times the host throws to me enough that I get enough airtime to, you know, feed my ego, I guess a little bit. Cause when you're in radio, you have an ego. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of how big it gets. And I've always been okay with just, Hey, I'm fine. Just throw to me if you need to talk to me, but I'm never going to, uh, I understood the roles of a host and a producer, I guess is the best way to put it. And I always knew, cause I had the chance, Jeff, yeah. do I want to be a host? Or do I want to be, you know, a program director in that direction? And I would say local sports talk, they kind of groom producers to be a host. Mm-hmm. And then here at Sirius XM, I think they do a great job of grooming you for a management level. And I understood that that's the role I wanted to go into. And that's what has kind of happened over the last eight years. So I'm okay with that. So I've never, ever had the issue of I need to speak on the mic. I've uh, I've always I've been radio junkie, like an absolute addict. I mean, it stems from my mom and dad were big into radio. They listened, you know, from Wally Phillips to Bob Collins and all everybody in between that ever went into the Chicago area. And that includes sports talk radio. My mom used to drive a school bus and I would have to get on the bus with her in my summers fucking be on the bus. And she'd nothing but radio, radio, radio. And the one thing that always stood out to me always 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 was that the producers the best shows you always knew the producer's name you always knew you always know what they were about you always knew what you know they were doing and what they brought to it and they always commented or maybe sometimes they were you know you know whipping boy or whatever the producers were always a part of it and I also picked up early on way before this is when I was a kid, teenager, I knew that producers like these guys worked off air. You just kind of sensed it. You just kind of knew it. So, you know, my dreams always to be on radio. I thought I wanted to do play by play and stuff, but I've always had been opinionated. And I always knew that was an element. And so one of the things that frustrated the hell out of me at Sirius was fuck, none of the uh, very few Producers ever, um, they wanted to be on air. They wanted opinions, but they didn't want to play the role and they didn't want to do the role. They didn't want to do the production standpoint, especially once you gave them some airtime and it it became a challenge all the time. Like they didn't want to do their job. I knew, I'm telling you, I knew probably, you know, by 2014, when, when you ditched me, 
and then the nighttime show weekend show. I'm like, I need Phil Backer because I always felt you were num- You always did your job. You always did the behind the scenes stuff. You always did the 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 work that it takes. And folks, there is a shit ton of work. I know fantasy sports radio. Uh, Phil shouldn't say this probably, but I will. A lot of hosts just roll in, like Ted Schuster like some other, but some other guys that are just hosts or main guys on the channel and they just roll in. Like the mics go on. They're like, Oh, I just talk about fantasy sports. That's never going to make a good show in my opinion. And if it does, God bless you, but it doesn't make a good show. And I knew I needed Phil Backer like by 2012, 2013. Like I needed to fill back a guy who could do the on the air stuff. You don't, you're good on air. You have good. I mean, I could throw to you for anything. Would we go to you for news and shit? I could throw to you on an IDP question out of nowhere. Like I know I have that always as a fallback, and um, but the behind the scenes shit is always done, and it's always done well. And we talk about it, and, and you'll give me honest feedback. This works. This doesn't work, and it, it, it's what makes the show. When you have great producers, it makes the whole show go. And I can't express to anybody out there, any budding broadcaster in any form, I don't care if it's television production, shit, man. You know, the best news anchors and shit, they have producers. Every one of them has a producer that, that basically gives them all their information, gives, does research for them, gets all the shit done. It's the backbone. It's the lifeblood. It, it doesn't work without uh, you know, good production. And I think Phil gets that more than most people at our station for sure more than a lot of other people um and there's money to be made it's not like you, you have to be on air to make all the money fucking gary delabati I, I think everybody would kill to be baba buoy gets made fun of and ripped on but makes millions of dollars a fucking year you know when you're when the show is good everybody's going to benefit phil yeah i agree with that and i guess the, my biggest challenge is when you see these younger people come into radio they say oh i want to be a you know, host. Well, mm-hmm. there takes a lot of work for you to be the host and you need to realize what your job is now. And that is, as a producer. And it, it's a struggle sometimes to get through to them because they just think, Oh, I'm working in radio. That means I'm going to be a host in five years. It doesn't work that way. So I, I guess the reason I, cause I've never really wanted to be in that position. Cause I've always knew, Hey, I, I want to be like someone that runs a channel or mm-hmm. a station or things like that. So, but that's my biggest advice to these younger people is like, hey, you, you may have to like focus on just being a producer right now. And then eventually things can start opening up for you. It's not going to happen overnight. No, not going to happen overnight. That's for sure. And it, it takes, I mean, a certain level. Um, one of the things that I, I, you know, I didn't, I changed from journalism to computer science and, you know, I, I had journalism classes and all that. So writing, you know, it has always been a problem, but I don't have much broadcast. I didn't have broadcast training at all. But one of the things that um, I knew right away and I realized is I have the timing pretty much down. I, I know some of the, the fundamentals, not through learning them, but having listened for so long, you know, um, no formal training for me at all. But when like Matt Deutsch and Steve Cohen and anybody at Sirius or even you or, or Justin Fensterman, you know, producers that I've had tells me, hey, do this, do that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. This is good. I need to work on that. And every year I try to work 
better. If only I could get these uh, break times down, Phil. Because uh, that's not, never happening, Jeff. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Talk about a little bit about what uh, what's the what's the toughest thing to deal with me on on a regular uh, basis. Well, the the break time is probably the worst. And let's give a little backstory. <laughs> Jeff strongly believes in the first segment of the hour, keeping it as long as possible because people are listening to the start of the show. So I think it's natural for anyone when a commercial hits, you're changing the channel. That's just how things work. So Jeff wants to keep you as long as possible. Now, the issue is, again, the other side of it, the Sirius XM side of they feel every segment is equal. So they don't want you to have a 30-minute segment to start the show because that means you're going to have a five-minute segment on the back end. So that's their, their side, and then Jeff's on the other side. So I have to deal with both, and that's probably my most stressful. Not even – everything else is great, Jeff. It's just when it comes to the breaks, it's because I'm hearing it from – Oh, management. I've gone yeah. all the way to the top. Like Scott Greenstein and I have had conversations about it. Like I've gone all the way to the top. Be, uh, as a result of it, as a result, of these ba- break things. And, you know, and I'll give Sirius a lot of credit. You know, I, I cut them down sometimes, but you know, they've, they've heard my arguments and are like, there's a point there, but we still need you to do that. At least acknowledging the point. I, I think that's just important. And we've talked briefly about politics earlier. Like, guys, you, you have to at least acknowledge people's points. That's the one thing I understand what Sirius wants, and we have a disagreement about. It. Here, I'll I'll let the audience decide. You can, here's my point about it: overwhelming listenership on Sirius XM is in the cars. Now that's changing, and we we got the app and on demand and stuff like that. Okay, so all that's well and good. For one, the app cuts out the commercials. Well, the on demand, I should say. So that's doesn't really matter how long your segments are, as long as you get them something right. In the car, when do people get in the car? People get in the car. A lot of people are commuting to and from work, especially when you're in drive time, like certain people, um, like us, our show is on. People, nobody works to, like, what time do you, you go into work? Oh, I, I arrive at 7.48 and I leave at 3.18. Like, no, nobody schedules like that. It's like, I'm 7 to 4, I'm 8 to 5, I'm, you know, 9 to 5, whatever it is. And they get, they go to work, you leave for work, or you leave work, I should say four o'clock or five o'clock, right? And then you have a typical commute is at least 20 to 30 minutes on your drive home. I want to be live on the entire way you're going home from work. When you're in the car, I want to be live those, all of it. I don't want you to have to flip around. I don't want you to mess around, right? And then, and on the so- other side of it, the people that are in their car going to work, let's say it, for my time slot, second shifters or whatever, what time do you arrive at work? Does everybody arrive at, you know, let's say you start at 9 a.m. Are you arriving at 8.59 or are you arriving at 9? No, you're arriving at like 8.50, 8.48, somewhere around there. You get in, maybe you get some coffee. If you punch a clock, you go to your desk. Whatever. You're, that last 10, 12 minutes, you're out of your car. You're not listening anyway. I want to be live when people are actually listening. That's the science behind it. And it's worked. Howard Stern does that. Steve Dahl has done that. You know, a lot of great, great radio people who, by the way, carried a lot of large ratings, they've always done it that way. And it's one of those, those tricks to make sure you're on when people need you. And that's, that's been my thing forever. Sirius has acknowledged that I have a good point there. There's a lot of truth in it, but they still want fuller segments. So 
we try to do both. Oftentimes I fail with that. But <laughs> well, I mean, there's a situation where we could like, hey, for Jeff's show, switch up the breaks a little bit instead of because we were supposed to have three breaks mm-hmm. and maybe instead of three breaks, we do two breaks. But they've done that in the past. We used to do that for like two years. Remember, we only had the three yeah. segments. Yeah. So I, I know. My my biggest issue in just radio in general is like, hey, we got to put this guy in a box of what we're trying to have all these shows sound like. It's like yeah. you can't do that to these hosts. You you're paying these hosts to entertain, so you can't make him try to sound like the morning guy. It's just that's not the way it should be. What about other behind the scenes stuff? Phil? What else am I? Is it what else is difficult to deal with with me? <laughs> no, the. What I love about working with Jeff is he's so busy that he doesn't have time to bother me. So it's actually really good. <laughs> when, when do I? You got to worry about your. You got to worry about fancy guru. You got to worry about your family. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's too much other stuff on your plate than to bother me about. Uh, you know, saving some soundbite. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, what do I bother? Do I hit you when I hit you up? It's usually just creative ideas, right? Yeah. We bounce ideas off of a uh, top five and our music, yeah. which I, I still think no one could touch us when it comes to our music production. So Absolutely. I'm biased on that. Uh, obviously the top five, you don't hear that anywhere. And so I, I think that what we do as a show and obviously the information, this football season has been off the charts. Yeah. Um, and I think we mentioned it many times on the actual elite sports show, but we decided back in March, we are all in on football. We know the season's going to start and how can we make this the best season yet? Well, by preparing in March, we always do football throughout the year, but yeah. dedicating it pretty much 95 to hundred percent of our show content was football and it's paying off. So, uh, you know, I think that's one of the best decisions we've ever made on yeah. our show. What was it like with the, for you? With, I mean, that was a, uh, I, I gotta say, I mean, that when we go through the history books, like, for me, this, it, when we were in quarantine and someday I could probably write a book just about the Sirius XM and quarantine and all that shit. But when we did that um, and then, you know, we're off live and they don't ever want us to say we're off live, which I don't get. It's just, everybody knows the score. I think I, I would hope if, as a listener, you guys would appreciate the fact that we got programming on whether it was whatever, but Phil Backer, dude, the, the effort and what you mm-hmm. had to do, cause we would record the show like about an hour before it would air and Phil would have, we would have to upload files, download files, put music in, put sound in, put buffer, like all these little things. And that was 100% Phil doing all of that shit. And under a time crunch, we were at the mercy of the internet, speeds, upload and download speeds, things not going right, things not fitting, timing elements that you'd have to do. What was that experience like for you, Phil? How glad are you we don't have to do that anymore? Yeah, so I don't, I don't get stressed out often. Um, and that was probably the most stressful four to five months of my career is just the every day of making sure that this show is produced with quality. Cause Hey, one rule we have is we don't put shit on the air and in order for that to happen, it took a lot of work and look, Jeff's on the West coast. And again, you got a lot of stuff going on. So it wasn't like some of these shows, all channels. So we're not just singling out fantasy. Some of these shows recorded eight hours in advance. And I actually believed 1000% when Jeff's like, there's just sometimes 
why would we record way early when the news could change? And now you sound out of date. So I challenged myself. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I can do this by turning around this show in a short uh, time uh, period. Not a lot of people wanted me to do it, uh, but we made it work. And I think, you know, we didn't go, we didn't reduce how many hours of programming. Some shows again went from two hours to one hour. Uh, we stayed our two hours and they would, yeah, the hours would repeat and everything else. So now they're even more outdated and we pushed the envelope and it, it bit us maybe twice. You yeah, know, that's yeah. going to happen. But yep. overall, I thought it was, it was fine. And, but it was stressful because you're right. You have, you have to have the hour timed out perfectly. Oh. If you don't, then all hell breaks loose. So <laughs> it was a lot between the record and then trying to produce and everything else. But, you know, I went to trade for a world. Me and you grew closer during that yeah. time. It was, I didn't take off. You sure as hell didn't take off. You never take off. So right. we worked together on a daily basis. And because we were recording, we got to talk in between, you know, whenever before the record and after the record, where now you get a three minute commercial break to kind of shoot the shit a little bit. Right, right, right. We do that a lot more uh, during that period. So that I, I look at as all positives. But yes, the actual producing of the show, uh, very stressful. Very stressful. I mean, what is that? I mean, man. Are we ever like, when do you think this whole thing uh, is going to get back? Do you feel next season is going to be back to normal? Is it just going to, you know, let's say after the football season, for one, you know, we're going into week 11. Do you think the rest of this football season happens without any major delays or, you know, as it's been going, or do you think that sort of the ground is shaking beneath us? I mean, NFL is trying everything in their power to keep this rolling. I, I'm just seeing it in college, but college is a little different because you got these 18, 19 year olds. They don't really care. They're going to hit the house party down the street at the, you know, frat row. So I think NFL is trying to take it a little more serious, but even there, we got players every week. Uh, I still think yeah. that the playoffs is probably going to be somehow in a bubble. I mean, they don't want to do it, but it, you're heading that way because do you really want Pat Mahomes two days before the AFC championship to be tested positive for COVID? So I, to avoid that, I think you have to figure out a way to make the playoffs maybe a bubble. I think so, too. I would imagine so. I mean, baseball kind of went to that for the World Series. NBA went off without a hitch, uh, you know, with it when the, um, you know, during the, the after the lockdown. So, I mean, that's something they did very, very well, too. I would say um, when it comes to the NFL, they are going to go all the way through it. That. I don't think they care about star players. I, I think you're right, though. During the playoffs, it's going to be, it's going to have to be a different thing because that, at that point, it is going to matter if Patrick Mahomes gets COVID or something. So, uh, what what about the other challenges, Phil, from this football season? Like, what have we learned? I mean, you said it before about starting early. I'll tell you what, I, I feel that it's this has been one of my better seasons in a while, just performance wise. Um, pretty much across the board, daily betting, everything has been very productive. And I think that being ready or getting started sooner actually was a, a pretty big help for me personally. How do you feel? Do you feel it has impacted the show? How about you personally and your fantasy play? Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm way more prepared. The issue I'm having, I think a lot of people are, it's just every day it's something else. I mean, yesterday, or on you know this heading into this week, the entire Raiders defense is on the close contact uh, yeah, list. Yeah, 
So you just have to be willing to adjust. And it goes all the way back to when we were talking fantasy baseball earlier. I mean, if you're unwilling to adjust, you're not having a great year. If you are willing to adjust, I think you're having a, uh, you're probably having a, a strong season heading into the playoffs. So it, you just, it's, it's just a lot. I mean, it's every day between the injuries, you got teams saying these, this guy's playing this week. And then next thing you know, they're not. So uh, you just got to be flexible when it comes to all of this. What about, you You know, you're the IDP guy, individual defensive players over at fantasyguru.com, and you've been doing it just a tremendous job. I mean, this that's a hard job too, man. I mean, you're in the trenches. I, I love the trenches. You know, you, you and I have talked many times, man. Fucking doing a Telestrator type deal would be pretty much pretty money. Um, I would love to do something like that. But talk a little bit about getting into IDP leagues and then do it providing content for IDP leagues as well, the challenges there and what you've learned. So IDP, I love, cause I, I just, instead of team defense, this adds another element to the game. It makes you a smarter player. I think, cause you figuring out what team defenses are, you know, what they're running, obviously who's good against the run. Who's not against good, good against the run. My issue is, and it's just extremely frustrating. is a player like Aaron Donald, who everyone knows is one of the best football players. And he is, top performer at the defensive line position last week. He had zero fantasy points in week 10. Yeah. It's like what top performer outside of an injury Mm -hmm. is going to have a zero point performance. It doesn't happen. So I don't know how you make this, I guess more fantasy friendly, you know, I mean, we're trying to get the tackles, the sacks. I mean, do you start having tip passes? I don't know what the answer is, but it's extremely frustrating that, ups and downs, especially at the defensive line position. If they're not getting a sack, they're not making the impact that you need. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul is another one. He's having a very good season, but he had a week where he had one fantasy point. So yeah. that that type of stuff is frustrating for me because it's like, am I really going to rank Aaron Donald the 25th defensive lineman? No, I'm not. He's always going to be a top five option for me. Right. And But he's going to have a week where he had zero points. It's, so that can be irritating because – I mean, I don't know what else to do about it other than this sucks. I've had uh, plenty of zeros from star players this year. So I, I think that's totally based on 20. I mean, everyone's I going through it, but <laughs> yeah, it's just, it doesn't happen. A running back, unless you know, he's in a timeshare type stuff. Like Christian McCaffrey went healthy is not putting up a goose egg. Unless so, he gets injured. Yeah, exactly. So that, that is what yeah. can be frustrating. Well, that's now, why with IDP, I think it's just, we, you can't, I think I'm in too many leagues where it's like robust IDP. Like you start nine, 10, 11 defensive players. And that's, that's where it's like, God damn, that's just fucking crazy to me. I, I like it. I enjoy it, but I don't think that's for everybody either because every team that's struggling, I'll see some teams. I look at their offense. I'm like, Oh shit, pretty damn good. And I look at their defense. I'm like, what a, they're not like, some of these guys aren't even playing. These guys maybe are name play. I could see, that's where a lot of people go wrong. So I think just a couple defensive players, one at yeah. each level, is just so much easier. Then you can deal with an Aaron Donald. Zero's rare for even Donald, but you you can handle that if it doesn't drag the entire team down. Yeah, and it, even if you did like one defensive lineman, one defensive back, because defensive back's another one. If they're not, if especially if you're a cornerback or whatever, if yeah. you're not getting the interceptions, then you're unless you're really a great safety like Buda Baker uh, that you're performing every week. So that's the other thing. Jamal Adams and Buda Baker every week, you know, they're going to perform for you. The other guys are up and down. 
So even if you did one defensive back, one defensive lineman, but you expanded linebackers because doing this, there are so many good linebackers in football for fantasy purposes Mm -hmm. because they're just racking up these tackles. And that's a little bit more predictable because you know that they're going to, hey, if this team runs a lot and this guy is a tackle machine, now I could put two and two together and rank this guy high. But the other positions, it's just – it could be frustrating because you do all the work and then, Hey, they didn't get the sack. Uh, you know, the guy, they had four quarterback hits, uh, but those aren't fantasy points. Um, and they got two points for you this week. Yeah. And by the way, uh, IDP tip oh, with corners, when you said that, I just stood out like you always want the worst cornerbacks in IDP leagues. Like you want the Vernon Hargreaves. Why? Cause he gets targeted all the time and he'll make tackles. He gives up reception, but you don't get minus points for that's another one of those things where we'll have to, you know, in future- it's funny you say that Jeff, cause yeah. there's times where uh, like Pierre Desaire, when he got cut, yes. like who's number one guy, he actually gets you some points right now. Yep. Oh, he gives you points. Cause he's got awful. That's he's why. awful. And they're, they're fucking throwing right at him, by the way, by the way, this year in IDP, if you have miles Garrett, you're a fucking hero. Cause all the guy does is get sacks and shit. It's insane. Uh, the level that he's bringing. And then, yeah, you, you want those shitty corners. If you use corner, you really want safeties. You don't really want corners normally, but um, unless they're like a Logan Ryan last year for the Titans, who's now on the Giants. But uh, I, I think it's uh, it's good stuff. I love the trenches, you know, um, from the show. Do you think this show, you know, talk, when I talk offensive line, defensive line, and corners, wide, do you think that translates? Do you think the listeners dig it? You and I dig it. And so I'm always not sure that we aren't just the the nerds and that the audience isn't really getting anything from it. What do you think? So I've actually had a few people hit me up that they love the in the trenches stuff, but okay. I, it's one of those things that I love so much that I'm biased. So I need to figure out a way to take a step back and say, all right, is this really great radio? It's great information, but is it great radio? I tend to say it is because I think you are very passionate about it. You know what the hell you're talking about. But again, at the same time, I love this stuff. So that's why I'm intrigued by it. But is a normal, you know, guy driving on the highway care about defensive line versus offensive line? I would like to think so. Cause I think you want to get better as a fantasy player. I personally, and Jeff has battled me a little bit in the off season. I want him to do chalk talk, but I think yeah. that could get too deep into the, uh, the woods a little bit that people won't fully pay attention to, because I think your information and the way you break down players and talent and, and, offensive schemes defensive schemes is top notch and not many people can compare to you but is that what the listener wants and i think that's a challenge that we have all the time it's tough i want to do it i want to talk about it but i also recognize the fact that it's a it's like stats you know uh if you it's weird people have said this many times to me especially recently um my cash game breakdown in uh, on elitefantasy.com is full of stats 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 i have data tables and every metric and i reference everything that you can say and they're like well you don't seem too analytical on the air and i'm like on the air i don't think numbers translate very often unless you say you give a comparison if i just said this guy has 2.18 evaded tackles per game does that what does that mean to you it doesn't really, you know, especially if you're driving, it, it's, it's hard to hit those points. And I get certain small percentage of you do see in terms of you know, numbers and what you hear 
does register paint a picture in your head. I don't learn like that. I know. I know a lot of people don't. And so I think just shouting numbers out on the air doesn't work. Or I don't think it, it translates as well. That's why in print form, I think it's a lot different. So that's what I go for, by the way. Uh, Phil, I do want to ask you this question. Give me a Jeff Mann's diva moment. Give me a moment that I just went full on diva. Do you have any of those? Um, well, when, all right, Jeff Mann's diva is when, uh, if you're listening to elite sports at the top of the hour and there is not a Jeff Mann's host cut, uh, that's a pretty diva. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Well, yeah, I do like that. Uh, there, I could, but see, I don't, I yeah, don't know. there's a lot of back backstory to that. I could like defend myself, but I won't because yes. it's, it's not, it's not worth it. I do. Uh, I, I definitely, uh, I mean, do, what are you like trying to say you're bet when you're, you're better than what just happened? Is that what you're trying to get me to say? No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm just trying to say, I'm wondering what stood out in your mind as far as like me melting down. I think the people would like, you know, the biggest meltdown going back to producer host relationship is, uh, Brian draws the, when he first, oh, yeah. over, when he first got hired, he worked on uh Jeff show. I think, you, I, I don't think you were a fantasy alarm at the time, maybe, but he couldn't. He, like, well, I he was could alarmed. not hear Jeff for whatever yes. reason, and he kept talking. And Jeff is just screaming into. Well, we, uh, Jeff was trying to talk over him, but at commercial break, Jeff went nuts. Oh, I went, but I called the program director during the break and said, "Fire this, this kid," because he I had not really talked to him before. He was promoting his own podcast. He was arguing with my points, talking over me, not letting me talk. And I was like, what the fuck is going on right here? It turns out it was a, you know, an issue. He was pressing the wrong button because he was new and he couldn't hear me talking. So that's why he kept talking. So, and, and I've come to learn Brian Draza is absolutely one of the sweetest kids in the world. One of the nicest guys in the world does an amazing job. And uh, so that, that was for sure my biggest meltdown of all time. I, I just was beside myself um, while that was happening. But yeah, that, that was, that was one. Cause I, I just think that some people probably think because of my bombastic nature on the air, they, they likely think I must be just a fucking monster. See, I, I will stick up for you for all the time about this. Cause even because look at the end of the day, people are just listening on radio. They don't yeah. really know us, especially if you're not on Twitter and you can't communicate I know you get a lot of Facebook messages and you know, obviously you answer tweets all the time. So there are people that are listeners that can actually get more personal with you, but there's some that just listen on the radio. So anytime they find out I work for Sirius XM, they're like, Hey, in the fantasy channel, what show do you produce? And I'm like, Oh, elite sports. Like, Oh, with Jeff Manns. I'm like, yeah. He's like, Oh, that guy's a loud mouth. And I will, I will stop. I'm like, yes, he is. But <laughs> one, he actually like, this is not a different personality. He is, he will, speak his mind but he has the kindest heart that you'll ever meet he'll do whatever the hell you need he will do it for you uh and not many hosts are like this and look i i don't know if you want me to say this but i'm gonna say it because i don't care Uh jeff gives out money to all his producers at christmas time Uh i'm telling you i've been in radio since 2006 the only person that does that or has done that is jeff manns and you can say what you want about that, but I think that just shows you the type of person that Jeff is. And yeah, does he yell and scream on air? <laughs> but the guy just is an amazing person. He's been a great mentor for me. 
uh, since I've been at SiriusXM. So right, I just right. wanted to give you a shout out for that because well, no, you know, you get of course you get a thank you from us, but not enough people realize the stuff that you do uh, for all the producers. So I just well, wanted to say thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, you know, I don't know. On and air, you were actually you know, shocked to be honest that more people don't do that. Oh, I'm I'm stunned. I, I'm beyond stunned. It's one of those things. I, you know, I I don't I don't know what that is about you know for one i mean the guy especially those working at our station our station is a bottom feeder station even though we're a top producer we get a lot of like just i mean like phil said when he started out as producer i mean he just fell into it the second third go around i mean the retreads and i'm not saying that's what everybody is here but that's the way sirius xm kind of views it we're the bottom of the food chain and then these producers have to work their way up prove themselves probably 10 times over than if they were working at NFL radio or MLB radio, you know, and that's just how it is. And they don't get paid a lot of money. I mean, I I mean really nothing. And, um, you know, and fucking they do a ton of the work and make the show sound better. And I, I don't ever, it's like tipping in general. I just don't understand why you wouldn't when you're in the service industry. If somebody takes care of you, you need to make sure it's really in life. You need to tell the people that are important to you. You know, Phil talked about it earlier. I've talked about it. Um, somebody's important to you and do good things for you. You need to let them know. Let them know they're appreciated because when it, people will get dejected, they'll slack off, they'll stop caring if they feel nobody else cares, you know? So you have to do that. I, I just, I believe in that all the time and uh, I've been dirt, 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 fucking poor and not able to do it. So I've had to shake hands and say, thank you to people. And then I've been very fortunate in this career. And that's the thing. This career has also brought forth, uh, uh, you know, some decent revenue and, and um, a good salary for, for me. I've been very profitable and whatnot. And fuck the fact that I get to share that with you guys who make it all go around is very important and uh i i just yeah that's just something i i believe in and every i think everybody should do it and again you don't have to give a ton of money to people if, if that's not your thing but you know like i say my coffee line you know uh you know you'll tip a dollar every time like if everybody if every car they took care of tipped them a buck or 50 cents or whatever that i mean all of a sudden they're making good money you know what i mean like take care of these people waiters and waitresses if everybody did the the 20 percent I mean, it would be that much easier and it would show everybody. And uh, I think the Sirius XM producers deserve a lot. They do a shit ton of work. They have to deal with a lot, you know, not just from you guys never know what shows you're on. You are lucky now because you have a set show that you call your own, but for years you didn't. And for those guys, it's like, Jesus, man, just take care of them. Like, especially if the show is profitable, if the show is good to your career, let make sure you take care of those people i i think that's important but yeah weird to me but you know to each their own uh all right phil let's uh go out with a bang here as we like to do let's give some picks for week number 11 in fantasy football let's do a, a survivor bet if you if you're still in survivor pools this week phil who's the one guarantee that you think will win Oh man, so now we'll, we got to worry about what teams you've already picked, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's weird? Speaking of that, real quick. Yeah, I was not in any Survivor this year because people really? were afraid that the season wasn't going to happen. 
I was like in three, I've been in three or four every year and uh-huh. everyone, and they're not the same people. They're completely different people. Like, yeah, we're not going to do it this year because we don't think a season's going to happen. So I'm oh, in no survivor league. Fucking people. Yeah. That was so weird to me. By the way, I have a $500 bet with some crazy political lunatic on Twitter or on Facebook. And the guy has gone dark on me. He won't pay me my fucking money because he we had a bet whether or not the ratings would be down 20% or more. And by the way, they were down. They are down. They're not down 20% like we agreed to. And first he tried to challenge it. Now he's just fucking going dark. So, yeah, all these people that said, oh, this is not going to happen. Sports are done. Like, I think there should be repercussions for people like that. I really do. Like, it's not that you're wrong. If you're wrong, you're wrong. You say you're wrong, fine. But don't try to bullshit and say somehow come up with some random thing that you were right. You're fucking wrong. You guys know you were wrong. Sports happen. The football season's plowing through. Just deal with it. God, that pisses me off. Anyway, um, yeah, Survivors, I was in three this year. I'm out of all of them. Um, Fucking was Patriots in week six was the just absolutely obliterated me. Uh, Got knocked out of all of them at that point. And so if people are still in though, who are you going to do? We'll give them a couple, like yeah. we'll give them the first tier, second tier, third tier. Who do you got? Oh, all right. So the first tier then is obviously Steelers, 10 point mm-hmm. favorites against the Jags, but I would imagine you've already picked them at this point. So I'll go with a home team and uh, two terrible teams, but they're probably on your board still. Uh, Cause if you use them, you may already be out. I'll go with the chargers over to jets this week. I like that one too. I, I have that as one of mine. You said Pittsburgh. Exactly. If you used him, if you haven't used them, awesome. Uh, Chargers make me nervous because they play down to their competition. I would not doubt. It wouldn't surprise me if the Jets got them here, but after losing Desir and Brian Poole, it's like they are starting some of the work. I mean, you can't even, I said earlier this season, I, I didn't, I never envisioned, a worse secondary than the Minnesota Vikings had for a few weeks this year. And now the jets have said, come in and said, hold my beer. Like, holy shit. Is it bad? So it's, it's a, it's hard for me to think the chargers don't win this game going away, even if they play down a little bit. So I agree with that. If you had a third one here, Phil, if somebody else, if somehow they had the chargers, do you have a third? What about Baltimore against Tennessee? No, I don't, I don't like Baltimore at all. (laughs) Minnesota uh, versus Dallas. Minnesota was going to be my uh, other choice. Even yeah. with Andy Dalton returning, it kind of scares me a little bit. Kind of scares I, me too. Kind of scares me, but I think that should be – they're just going to run the ball, keep the ball at Dallas offense's hand. I um, hate picking road teams, but if you wanted to go on the road, maybe the Dolphins over the Broncos. Yeah, that's not a bad one. The Broncos have been so bad. I mean, injuries have really got the best of them, and then – they just don't have an identity on offense. They're trying to run the ball constantly when they should be passing. It's just one of those teams. So, uh, yeah, Miami's been Miami's been hot. That defense is playing very, very well. How about a bet from this week? Any bets that you like here, Phil Backer? I kind of like the uh, Bengals plus one and a half against Washington. Bengals plus one and a half against the Washington Potatoes. You don't, you don't believe in Alex Smith magic? I do not. Oh. Um, that's a tough one for me to bet because I don't know what to make. Burrow played real well early in the season. It's gotten worse. The Washington defense is good pass rush wise, but played like dog shit last week against Detroit. That is for sure. Um, Maybe Brown's I, minus three against the Eagles. 
No, I actually don't. Uh, I don't like that one either. Um, Browns worry me, and Philly. Philly has this weird thing when their backs up against the wall, they'll just eke out a win. I kind of think the the Eagles win the, that game. It's a game Cleveland should win, Philly should lose, and they, those two teams always seem to do the opposite for whatever reason. And uh, Cleveland also with some. Um, um, offensive line guy went on uh, the COVID IR list. Uh, fuck, who the fuck was it? I can't remember. Um, was it? It wasn't Wills. I can't remember. But so there, there's a little, little bit there. Um, enough to put me off of that game. Um, the the game that I I think I like the most, and it's crazy to me, is I'm just going to take the ten points in Pittsburgh. I think there's not, I don't think it's going to be that competitive. I hate double digit point totals. If this was 10 and a half, I wouldn't take it. But I think right at 10, I think Pittsburgh wins by two touchdowns. So I think there's some value in there, even despite the biggest. That's my best bet. How about an upset of the week, though, Phil? Any upsets that you like? Just by a win, or are we going point spreads here? Just win, like overall win. Oh, man. Uh, Doesn't have to be right. I think I've been right twice out of. <laughs> seven weeks so far but it's somebody that you're looking at all right i i like uh geez oh, pa- packers even if Devonte adams may not play they're right now minus one and a half so i'm going packers over to colts fair enough i i think houston could beat new england new england's favorite on the road and i don't really know why i know they beat baltimore that was a game it was also played in the slot deshaun watson's always done well against belichick's defense you know, all three appearances against him when they were good, he's always performed well. And um, and Romeo Cornell obviously knows schematically what Belichick's going to do. And, and frankly, Belichick doesn't have the horses. So I think it's a good matchup with the coaches there for Romeo Cornell. I think Sean Watson's just a world beater and at home. So I think they uh, they beat the, the Patriots this week. So uh, that would be the upset special. Any players – under the radar, any sleepers that you like for uh, fantasy football purposes this week, Phil? All right, so two receivers on DraftKings that are way too cheap, even yeah. on Fanduel. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I don't understand. He's forty nine hundred on DraftKings. Like I, so I just good. don't understand it. I mean, and then Deontay Johnson is so cheap on both yeah. sites as well. So those are two mid range wide receivers. Even though I really love the high price guys this week at the receiver position, so I got to figure out how I'm going to build my lineup. And then DeAndre Swift um, is cheap as well. Love Swift. I mean, what a great matchup against Carolina. And this this is DeAndre Swift. It's such a good pull because we finally get the peanut butter hitting the chocolate, the chocolate hitting the peanut butter. We get a team that is fucking infuriating with their desire to only run the ball even when they should be throwing it and they're down, and that's the Detroit Lions, versus a team that is absolutely driving me crazy that nobody seems to want to run on them despite them being atrocious against the run in the Carolina Panthers. This is the perfect matchup. Like that, This is what we live for and wait for. Cannot wait. Thank God. Um, that's another upset, by the way. Detroit's not even favored in that game. Carolina is, which is wild to me. Um, yeah, I think Detroit will win that game, by the way. So, and then yeah, I like DeAndre Swift. Good pulls right there. Anything else, Phil Backert? I know we're up against it. We got a serious XM show coming up here soon. 
Yes, we do. Uh, not really, Jeff. I just appreciate you giving me time today, uh, talking about life and football. This is hell yeah, man. what I love to do. I know it's fun. It's radio. I mean, it was everything. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, I we could tell stories for hours, but this mm-hmm. is uh, it's been fun. Well, we'll have more opportunities to do that. That's for sure. More behind the scenes stuff. Uh, hopefully, get Phil on before the end of the season again. If not, we'll have all off season to to bang these out. People seem to like it, so it's a. Uh, it's a fun thing to do, that's for sure. And I could curse. How about that? I never once cursed on the air, Phil. How do you feel about that? Are you surprised? I'm knocking on wood right now, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I am surprised, actually. Yeah, we've had. Ted, I'm telling you, Ted this is another. Be- yeah, this yeah. is another behind the scenes. Uh, when Jeff goes on these rants, he literally doesn't know what he's saying. Like his brain and his mind just escapes his body, and he just rambles. Because literally, he has no idea what he says. Like five minutes later, it's true. And the fact you don't cuss is actually impressive. It's it's unbelievable. It's really. I'm like uh, the Frank or uh, Will Ferrell's character in uh, Old School at the debate, and he says, I, "I think your policy is limited." And he just blacks out. That is really what happens to me for real. Like I just start talking, and then I, it elevates, and I get, I get mad, and then I'll go like, "I don't know where I was." Sometimes I don't know if I'm on the air or not. It's weird. Like, I don't know if I threw to a break or not. Like, I, I, I'll just, like, come out of it like, what? I, it's just, I, I go dark. It's, it's, it's a weird feeling, that is for sure. But anyway, uh, great stuff. We've kept Phil Backer a long time, a lot to catch up on. Hopefully, we'll get to do it again. Again, listen to Elite Sports, Phil and I, every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Well, Thursday is technically 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern, but you get the idea on that. Follow Phil Backer at Phil Backer, just like his name sounds on Twitter. You can catch his IDP rankings, waiver breakdowns every single week over at fantasyguru.com there as well. Uh, what else? You, you and uh, Christian do the uh, um, uh, bros and football. Is that what? What, the, what do you guys? Bros and football. Bros and football. That's what I thought. Um, yeah, every Sunday morning. So we do bros and football. We, we try to time it leading right into Jeff Manns and Bob Harris on the pregame show on SiriusXM. Love that. I love when I get up in the morning and uh, I see that come across the wire. Just put the Phil and she on, gets me revved up to do some pregame action. So listen to that as well, folks. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Appreciate you guys downloading. If you guys spread the word, do what you can. Subscribe, leave, feed, leave feedback if you like the show. If you don't like the show, guests you would like on, topics you want us to discuss. Well, we are all for it, everybody. This is your show as much as anything. So keep your comments flowing. We do appreciate it. Remember to follow me at Jeff underscore Mance on Twitter, the Jeff Mance on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Remember, you may disagree with some or all that we said here today, and that is perfectly understandable and okay. Why? Because it was just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Peace.